0: This is the Mindfulness and Productivity Systems podcast with Dr. Serene Sharif. This is a space where we explore how mindfulness, productivity systems and our thoughts create the magic in our life. I'm here to help and support you if you are struggling with overwhelm and burnout and you're looking for tools to take control of your time, mind, energy and productivity. I'm your host, Dr. Serene Sharif, and I am a general surgeon, medical educator, mom to three wonderful children, and wife, which were all instrumental in my journey to be a productivity and burnout coach. I'm excited to share my tools and unique framework to build a community We'll discuss how to overcome limiting beliefs and obstacles that are standing in the way of your dream life, as well as how to create and sustain your new habits in a way that will allow you to finally ditch your willpower and motivation struggles and have more time and energy to live your best life. This is episode number 33. In our last episode, we talked about the power of mental and psychological inertia and what it takes to overcome this. I hope you enjoyed applying it to your life and how you can start deconstructing your inertia and how to overcome it. This week, I would like to continue this conversation and talk about one of the key factors that play into inertia, which is the mental state of overwhelm. Now, my guest, today is an expert in this area, and I think you're going to really enjoy our discussion and some actionable tips to get you started on overcoming your overwhelm. Thank you so much for listening. Now, if you are ready to overcome the inertia in your life, to overcome the overwhelm and take control of your time, energy, and productivity, join me in my upcoming masterclass, The Three Secrets to Build Your Nano Habits. This will be a game changer for anyone interested in overcoming the inertia, getting your momentum going, and getting your goals achieved using the tools of habit building to achieve your life transformation. This is a virtual event that occurs on October. October 28th. 2021 at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The link to register will be in the show notes, and I would love to see you all at the masterclass. I'm so excited to welcome Carly Crew to the podcast today. She is an amazing mama of two twin toddlers and a MD psychotherapist specializing in mental health, focused on breaking down the many barriers there can be to accessing mental health for women and really being the expert in providing mental health uh, access. Women. Hi, Carly. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. I am so excited to have you as well. And I would love for you to share a little bit about your journey and how you've found this niche, really this area where
1: there's so much need and just your journey balancing yeah. wearing all the different hats. Yeah, I specialize in anxiety in women, but mental health in general, is definitely my passion and mental health for women. And I feel like I've always had an interest in mental health. In fact, when I applied to medical school, originally my backup plan was to go to be a therapist if I didn't get into medical school. And so then I was lucky enough to be accepted and continued on certifying in family practice and then fell back in love with mental health work. And this got even more when I had my twin girls. So I had twin girls in 2016. And after that, what was like a generalized anxiety disorder became all of a sudden a really crushing postpartum mental health disorder. And it took me a really long time to get better. From that and heal from that. And through that experience of being a patient and a provider, I had that awareness of what I probably needed to do and to get and the support I needed. But I got that patient experience of what it felt like to try to access those things and how finding the right fit for a therapist was a challenge and how there were unique challenges to being a new mom and to being a woman and accessing mental health supports, right? If you're a brand new mom and you're struggling with your mood, it's not easy to get out of the house to go drive 90 minutes for a therapy session when you have a newborn or two. So i became really intimately aware of all of the different challenges that face women not even from a systemic perspective like what obstacles exist in getting to therapy accessing therapy cost of therapy but also in our brains the obstacles that our mind create for us when we mm-hmm. go to get help often as women especially we tend to a lot of the women i work with anyways tend to have a strong sense of self-competence and independence and the feeling that they can manage most things on their own and so sometimes that presents a barrier to getting support right because you don't go ask for help because we think we should be able to do everything on our own. So after my experience with postpartum mental illness, I really dove back deep, deep into women's mental health. And I started helping women in my practice and my family practice with their mental health, kind of in the same way that I had been struggling. I was identifying them. I would ask women the right questions and all of a sudden there'd be this flood of, how did you know I felt that way? You know exactly how I'm feeling. I can only, I've never had anybody understand like you've understood. And I think it comes from the fact that I, I began initially trying to expand my scope and helping women on online doing mental health coaching. So I certified as a life coach and then went on and did some life coaching, but I really felt, and I loved that. I love coaching. I still coach to this day, but I found as a physician, I felt like I had some tools of of my toolbox I couldn't use, right? Like Mm -hmm. medication and referring to other providers, those sorts of things I couldn't do as a coach. So I shifted back into providing just more therapy services and took some training courses to learn how to do therapy, specifically Mm -hmm. like talk therapy, like a psychologist would do. And courses in multiple different modalities. And so now if we fast forward, I'll cut through the details. We fast forward now, I run a women's mental health clinic. I'm in Canada. So it's a Canadian mental health clinic called Unoya Medical. And I currently have a team of 10 physicians, 10 female physicians that are helping to support women virtually with their mental. I've also written a book on anxiety. It's called You Are Not Your Anxiety, and it was just published this year. So I've really come quite far from the mom who was struggling postpartum and and used my experience and my clinical expertise to really start to change how we manage women's lives. love
0: it thank you so much for sharing and it's so true there's a lot of even internal barriers that we don't acknowledge sometimes just feeling we should be able to manage it it's fine everyone else is doing it and I think there's also a lot of like internal like shame and blame self-blame and guilt and so I think that just really highlighting it and making it raising awareness about it important
1: and even as a physician like I was doing mental health work before I got sick and I was very sick postpartum like suicidal, needed to go on meds, was really sick postpartum. And even with the insights of being a physician who worked in mental health, it was even hard for me to overcome that shame and that sense of I should be able to do this. And what are people going to think if I have to reach out and get help? And I think that's really common in the postpartum community, especially in the mom community, because there's a lot of shame around that, like you said, all the other moms seem to be doing Mm -hmm. just fine. And so that's why I think these conversations and podcasts and women like you and I talking about this sort of stuff is really important, takes it out of the dark and says, you know what, like I was a doctor who specialized in mental health. I had terrible mental illness and it took me a long time to get, to reach out and get the support that I needed. So if that's, you're not alone. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Love it. Now, when you
0: talk about things such as learning, even for ourselves, emotional regulation, and how do we understand when things are okay and we need a little bit of help versus when really we are not okay Mm -hmm. and we definitely need to be reaching out, whether it is to, to start with whether it's to our family or a friend or someone just starting that conversation now what do you tell your clients like how do they get started in that
1: yeah so that was a couple questions so I think there's lots of things we could talk about there but one of them was how do you know if what you're dealing with abnormal and in fact that's actually one of the most common things that I see in women when I do start to talk to them in the virtual office is that they don't have the understanding or we call it psychoeducation right they don't have that understanding of oh no that's actually abnormal like how you feel you shouldn't feel that way because we all get just living our day-to-day life and we don't realize that like, racked with anxiety 75% of the time isn't normal that's not how we should feel or that laying awake at night not being able to sleep tossing and turning waking tons of, through the night or whatever despite even our kids are sleeping but we're waking up that's not normal feeling mm-hmm. really fatigued feeling really sad all these symptoms that that as medical professionals we're like oh that's not normal but as mm-hmm. patients without that insight as just regular women without mm-hmm. that insight they don't know that so a lot of the first steps are educating yourself and being aware like paying attention Attention to what's happening in your mind and body so most women can identify when they aren't feeling like themselves and then can look to find some education somewhere so whether that be thankfully there's so much conversation online now right so you can pop mm-hmm. on instagram and you can see all of these mental health coaches like myself mental health professionals saying this is a red flag feature this is a symptom that you should be concerned about those sorts of things but as a provider as a family physician too, a gp right my first recommendation for anyone who's concerned whether their mental health is struggling is to chat with your GP or your primary mm-hmm. care provider, whoever that might be. And hopefully it's somebody that you trust and that will listen and that you can get that connection to say, this is what I'm dealing with. Is this normal? Do mm-hmm. I need to seek additional supports through a therapist or is this so severe? And uh, that I might need to go on medications. And a mm-hmm. provider would be able to give you that kind of insight.
0: Love it. And really encouraging, especially as we see the impact of COVID and isolation and having to traverse life in this setting, mental health has actually been more on the forefront. More people- People are struggling so it's been harder taking care of your children with a support network that you had before right it's mm-hmm. so different so I think definitely seeking out your your family doctor your general practitioner and talking to them and saying this is what I'm struggling with and starting that conversation and there's actually so many resources everyone thinks I don't really want to do a medication and sometimes you may not need that Absolutely. but in addition there's so many resources out there both in a group setting or a individual setting so I think that's a great place for them to start. Absolutely. Behavior.
1: And I love that you mentioned that because I think that's one, one speaking about obstacles to women accessing care, one of them is the sphere of medications. It's mm-hmm. really prevalent to the population that I work with and just women in general, because it makes sense that nobody wants to go on a medication and be on it, right? Mm-hmm. Or they're afraid of the side effects. And the truth is exactly what you said. Not a lot of women actually do need to go on medications. There are some that, that medications are absolute game changers. And that I'm like, definitely this will be helpful for you. We should try this. But you're right. There are so many things before medications that most women aren't aware So for example, I run a mental health membership program, right? Online membership program that specifically teaches in like courses, all the different skills that you need to manage your mental health. Because I think that's a part of mental health management that we don't realize. We think it's like therapy and you're not like, there's actually like a ton of stuff in between, right? Mm -hmm. About managing your lifestyle so that you're getting enough sleep and eating well and exercising regularly, paying attention to the relationships in your life. Make sure you have healthy boundaries and you're not a chronic people pleaser and you're all these sorts of things. Make sure you have healthy self-care practices. These are all skills. Skills that women can learn and then use in their life to really manage their mental health on their own. That's my purpose, right? My mission is to give the management of women's mental health symptoms back to women, right? Like we need to give you the skills and the knowledge that you can totally use and then empower you and support you to do that because you can do that. A lot of women have the keys to their own healing. They just don't realize how to use it. Yeah, yeah
0: absolutely. And empowering them to yeah. do that because sometimes you have that feeling, oh, I'm just not good at that or that's not really my thing. But but really the answers that we seek are always within us. And it's just finding the tools to access that and connect to that.
1: And being in community, like you mentioned the pandemic and like the burden of the pandemic on mental health has been big on everyone, but the burden on women has been incredible, right? Because now not only are you probably running a career or have a business or whatever Mm -hmm. you're doing and running a household, but now your kids were home a ton of the time and you have Mm -hmm. no one to offload them to. And now all of a sudden all those supports like... Like, like sitters or dog walkers or all these people that or your parents that used to come in, and give you a break that's not even possible or wasn't at least during the pandemic. So of course anything that you had pre-existing a little bit of anxiety here and there, a little bit of depressive symptoms, right? They're just exacerbated. And so, so true. So finding a community that is safe within covid times is really important when it comes to mental illness and healing your mental health. And so that's another reason why my mental my membership program exists because it's an online community for women. Yeah, but there's so much. It's so multi-layered right to to but it doesn't have to be complicated and I think that's where sometimes women are anxious no pun intended about going online to get support for their mental health because there's just so much information it can be hard to wade through what is probably the most effective or the safest for me and yeah
0: yeah and I think one of the good things that have actually come out of the whole pandemic situation is really I think more of us have tapped into the virtual communities before there is something amazing about being in contact in person, there's definitely a benefit to that. And we love to go out for coffee with our friends and dinner and play dates and all of those kinds of things. But in the setting that, yeah, maybe we can't do it safely or, or there's not as many options. I think more people have connected through the virtual community and it has been a huge support. It's not the same as having someone over to babysit your child.
1: Definitely still
0: having some, some support.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it has given us so many more opportunities for supporting patients, right? Like my virtual care clinic opened in January, 2021. So the pandemic gifted us a lot of that sort of stuff, which which again, only further helps to reduce because like I referenced earlier in the episode, right? If you're a new mom or you're a busy mom and you have three kids at home, leaving your house and packing everyone up to go to speak to a therapist is not super practical. And so that's where these kind of therapy options that are more virtual allow for patients. We meet them where they're in your house, in your house, at your workplace, on your lunch hour, if you want to right? in your car. I see a lot of women in their car because that's <laughs> the only like quiet place they can get out of the yeah. house. I actually remember I had a, a guest on my own podcast record her episode in her car because- oh my of, goodness. Because her kids were in the house. Yeah, yeah. So it has, there has been some kind of quote unquote silver linings in the pandemic for what it is worth. Yeah. And we got to take the quiet corners where we get them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I would
0: love for you to share a little bit in your experience, what you've seen as far as tools to help really overcome the overwhelm. Because the mm-hmm. overwhelm is that space of anxiety and and almost, oh my God, I-, I might as well give up now because there's just no way this can happen. So what are some tools that you have recommended for your clients yeah. or that you've used
1: yourself that would be great for our listeners? Oh, overwhelm is one of my favorite topics to talk <laughs> about. I actually have an entire course on overwhelm. And when we talk about overwhelm, it can, no pun intended, be an overwhelming topic to talk about because mm-hmm. overwhelm looks different to different people, mm-hmm. right? So to, to one, one woman might be I have so many things on my to-do list I don't know where to start to other people it might be I just have so much in my life I don't know where to start like I have my kids that need my time and so on and so forth overwhelm is basically defined as a mismatch between demands and resources and so our brain becomes overwhelmed when it perceives that the demands that it needs to meet exceed the resources and when I speak about resources, resource these resources could be time they could be energy could be like just cognitive resources my ability to focus on this my ability to give you my attention or it could be things like finances right or physical resources things that we actually have that are tangible. and so when I'm talking to clients about overwhelm I'm often first focusing on let's get really crystal clear on what you're feeling overwhelmed about what is it that's overwhelming you because what happens to the brain when it becomes overwhelmed is it goes into threat detection mode right that's when we flip into our stress response when we become overwhelmed and all of a sudden everything that might not have overwhelmed us before gets piled on top of the. So it's it's when have you ever noticed that when you're feeling just a bit overwhelmed, all of a sudden you remember like all the things that you haven't done yet, and it's everything's just piling mm-hmm. up. That's like that moment of overwhelm when you're just like paralyzed with, oh my god, I can't even move forward. Yeah. So I always say let's like try to bring us back into our frontal executive brains, try to bring us back into that, and get really granular about what actually is overwhelming you. So doing like a big brain dump. Let's write down every single thing that's on your mind right now that you think you have to do or have to attend to, and that would be one of the first steps. First take bunch of deep breaths because you got to calm that nervous system first so that it can mm. then take some time and write down if it's a task oriented overwhelm this is obviously more specific to if you're mm-hmm. like dealing with just a lot of things on your plate you and then once you have it all laid out sometimes that's good in that it tell it shows you like wow there's actually not as much as i realized this is not so bad or sometimes mm-hmm. it's holy smokes there's way more than i thought and then that can make you a little stressed too so just checking in with your body checking in with how you're feeling emotionally about that list and then i use usually one of two really practical tools to to cash down that list. Okay. The reality of women, and I've mentioned this before already, is that we really we like to believe that we can do way more than we actually mm-hmm. probably can do. So all everyone listening is probably, oh man, that is me. Like you think you have three hours to get stuff done, and your list is 17 things long, and you're like, probably not gonna happen. So, what we need to do once we have all those things on our brain-dumped list is we can use one of two tools. One is called the 3D strategy and 3D strategy of overwhelm. The 3Ds are ditch, delegate, or okay? so you go through that list and you first be really Ruthless about what do I actually have to do versus what can maybe I defer later, right? What can I defer Mm -hmm. to not this moment? Because I'm overwhelmed now. I don't need to focus on this right now. What can be done in two weeks? What can be done in three weeks? What can be deferred? So what can be or sorry, delegated, what can be given to somebody else? Again, we're like self-competent people. Mm -hmm. We tend to think like I have to do it all. I have to do the laundry, I have to do the groceries, I have to do the this. And so what can you quite honestly delegate to someone else? So if you have young adult children or like teens or Adolescents often a lot of my clients, I'm like, they can do laundry, right? My four-year-olds obviously are not going to, but if you have a 12, 13, 14-year-old kid, like you can ask them to fold their own laundry or wash the dishes. Mm -hmm. Truthfully, if you have a partner who can do some of the tasks of the administrative stuff of the house or the business. Okay. So delegate, delegate. That's one of my superpowers is I delegate everything. (laughs) You delegate as much as you can. There's no shit. And then really, I I usually actually recommend starting with ditch first, but I got that one to the last. That's where you go through and you're like, do I, does this actually have to be done? Because remembering that our brain really loves, to jump into panic mode and think we have to do all the things. It's actually not probably true. So there's like some things like, I really have to clean out the front closet. You're like, do you though? Does that <laughs> have to be done? And crossing that off. And or and then that also forces you to look at things that maybe you've said yes to that maybe you actually don't really want to do or don't have to do. So you signed it for, I don't know. I have terrible examples, like cupcakes for the bake sale. Like something like that. You're like, I didn't really want to do that. Do I actually have to? No, I can cross. What that helps us to do is take action because one of the biggest cures of overwhelm is action. It helps us take action, but also whittle down the lift, which is so important because we can't do everything that we think we can. So that's one tool that I really, and then overwhelm in, when you're looking at it from not so much the task sense, but more of the emotion of overwhelm. When you're in that moment, the kid is screaming, that kid won't put their shoes on. You're like, you're running late to work. The dog is barking. Your husband's asking you, like, you're just like, blah in your head, just overstimulate it. That emotional moment of overwhelm is what a lot of my clients struggle. And I'm sure you've probably identified I, I feel like this all the time. Sometimes I have to literally look at my husband and be like, you need to stop talking to me because I actually cannot <laughs> process this right now. And the truth is that we think that we can process multiple stimuli at one time. We think we can multitask when we actually cannot. Our brains are not wired to do that. So when you are having that moment where multiple things are going on, I always recommend to my clients, the first things you do is just stop what you're doing, right? As long as it's safe, I can't just stop dropping, but stop what you're doing <laughs> in that moment and try to center yourself, center it calm the nervous system, 3D breaths. 3 mm-hmm. Three deep breaths, right? And then I usually recommend focus on literally one thing at a time. This seems very straightforward. But when you're in that overwhelmed moment, it's like your brain is exploding. You're not sure where to go next. Just literally, I always say to myself, I can only do one thing. At once. And I'll actually say that out loud. I say that out loud all the time. So much so that just before this podcast episode, I was at lunch and, and my husband was saying something like, well, do you think you could do this while you're doing that over at the clinic? Blah, da, 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 Ask me questions. And my daughter actually said, daddy, she can only do one thing at one time. And I was like, thank you, Faye, but she's heard me. And actually the second thing she said, mommy, daddy, she doesn't have three arms. And I was like, thank you, (laughs) appreciate that. very insightful for, but I often use that phrase in the moment of overwhelm. And it, like, I will say it out loud. I can only do one thing because it signals to others around you that you're not a superhero. It reminds them. And it reminds you that you literally can only focus on one thing at one time, which is almost a bit freeing. You're like, okay, I only need to do one thing. And we just need these little kind of strategies, these little touch points, I think in these moments of emotional overwhelm that help us just get through it. Because any strong emotion right? Overwhelm, anxiety, peaks, impact. We know this. They all do. So even overwhelm, just having a few little tools to get you through that moment, to get you down to the end of the wave, and then you can take action again. So I hope those are two practical, that was a lot more than two, but I hope those are practical tools that your listeners can use. And those are things that I recommend a lot to my clients.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That was great. And I love
1: that you separated
0: into the emotion of overwhelm and then the task associated overwhelm, because really we've all experienced that. And I think especially for the task associated overwhelm, what I typically say is automate, delegate or eliminate. It really helps us to figure out from all the things on our to-do list, how do we really want to handle it? Not everything really needs to be an emergency to be done right in the moment.
1: I often yes. don't think about automate, but like putting systems in place is thing. Yeah. yeah, automate and even habit
0: building because then you take away that decision fatigue and that mental clutter that comes from, oh, every morning you're doing the same thing Then just automate it so it, it's easier and you don't have to mm-hmm. use so much of your mental resources. Yeah. yeah. and And then also that question of, do I really need to be doing this? Mm This Is something that is the best use of my time and my
1: energy and all of the finite resources we talked about? Does it need to be done at all? Because I think that's a really good question. A lot of women don't ask themselves is, does this actually need to be done? I feel like we get all this messaging coming into us all the time that you're like, you have to have, I don't know, you have to have the perfect exercise routine. You have to have this, you have to have that. You have to have the perfect dining table. That's magazine worthy. You have to have all these silly things that we see. And so then when we take that information into our brains and it comes out as It's an absolute, we must do it. And so I think it's one of the best ways is that women can work on overwhelm is like step back and be like, why do I actually feel like Mm -hmm. this has to be done? Not that you're wrong. If you love it, Mm -hmm. do it. But if it becomes another task on your list that's just overwhelming you and like you said, draining your resources, all that good stuff, let's stop doing it. I'm all about developing a new culture of women that stops doing things. And even I I remember when my children, especially were younger,
0: craft-like activities that the school, like for instance, for Halloween or for Valentine's Day, everyone's bringing in these homemade crafts and cards and cupcakes. And I love to bake, but I'm not a very crafty person. You know, what I just, I talk to my kids And I said, well, these are, there's many things we can do one thing and just being okay that yes, it's, it's true. My kid's probably just going to have a small thing to share, but it's a process of you do what you can and you don't make it like, but everybody else makes this sort of like magazine
1: worthy craft item that they're going to share. That's not my skill. Yeah. And owning that, right. And feeling more comfortable and saying that's okay, that I'm not doing every single thing. I like, we spoke before this about my unique living situation and like the silliest thing is that one. One of my favorite things about not having a permanent house is that I don't have to decorate the front yard for holidays because uh, okay. I hated that. Like I hated having to put the lights up on the house and then take them down and then have like cute Halloween decorations. That sounds really fun for most people, but I hate it. So that was one of the things I was like, well, I don't have a house. I don't have to do that anymore. So, and, and it's okay and accepting the fact that you don't have to like everything that everybody else does and you don't have to do it. Let's mm. ditch the social pressure and the judge, the fear of judge- judgment yeah. and mom guilt and all that sort of stuff because it doesn't serve us. It only makes us feel worse. And it takes up all our time and makes us overwhelmed. Yeah. yeah.
0: And it's, it's also the self-judgment, the shame that we're putting on ourselves no it's okay it's okay that we don't do everything and just do the things that are important and that is doable because if not we add things like a hundred things to our list and we have this never-ending and you wonder
1: how did this even get out and i think that we won't i don't think we'll have time necessarily but we can maybe have another conversation about it but that's where perfectionism comes in Mm -hmm. huge like perfectionism is sometimes an under what am i saying underestimate influence on women's mental health because we many women think that they're not perfectionists and then we start talking and i'm like Ooh, that sounds like perfectionism like I need to be doing all the things like if all the moms are doing all the things I have to do all the things or I can't possibly have something left up too late in the season or those sorts of like judge self-judgment that we do for ourselves that's perfectionism because mm-hmm. we've all been raised to whether we realize it or not a lot of us have been raised to accept nothing less than the best from us our- and that is very damaging and I could talk for hours on perfectionism because it's a whole thing that'll be the title of my second book I think but yeah because perfectionism is so damaging to our mental health mm-hmm. and it's subtle and it sneaky and it's often deeply embedded in our cognitive like habits and our, our wiring and how we work that it influences our mental health significantly.
0: absolutely and I think what you said is, is true it's some of it is like the subconscious we're not even really yeah. aware that we're thinking that or pushing us to do something mm-hmm. that we might not necessarily even believe in yeah. just because we've grown up expecting that mm-hmm. to ourselves. and a lot of times overwhelmed too what I found is that like you were saying earlier is that you have a certain level of sort of baseline overwhelm more chaos <laughs> Us, that we live in, and it's okay, and we learn to manage. But then one thing comes over and tips mm-hmm. us over. It could be for me, I <laughs> went into overwhelm last week because my phone died oh man my phone died and and I couldn't reach anybody I had to drive now this sounds barbaric I had to drive with no GPS and I know I had to like remember all my old skills and I actually I was driving in areas that I wasn't aware of so I printed off a map quest map and and I did it and initially when I when my phone died and I was traveling out of town so I can't access anything in my home to get my connect back to my gmail so I had no access to my email or my calendar Mm -hmm. or my phone Mm -hmm. so you can see where it's just one thing one, yeah. and then I'm in total overwhelm oh my god I'm not I don't know what I'm gonna do like my I won't even be able to make it back home no. how will I access everything so <laughs> I think and a lot of that was honestly my own mind I was about you know? to
1: say it's like it's a funny thing about that is yes that sounds very stressful and it would have been like I would have been the same when we were traveling yeah. There was chunks of time where I didn't have service because we were like traveling across Canada and I would it felt like in my brain like the world was gonna end and like, I somebody was gonna need me and I'd get service and I'd be like no one needed me so you're right it's so much like in the mind drama. Like it's not even that we think we're self-important. It's just, I don't know how to do life without my phone now. Exactly. I don't
0: know how to do XYZ. And that was my biggest struggle. I was like, I am totally going to get lost and I will be lost forever because I don't even have a phone to call people. So there was a lot of drama and ultimately (laughs) it was
1: okay. It was fun. Yeah. This is one of my phrases that I say all the time. Like your mind will make things a hundred times worse than they actually are. It's always worse in our brains than it is in reality. Almost everything. Your mind is not often your friend. Like one of, another <laughs> one of my quotes is that your brain is a jerk because all of, I say, I, like our brains are wired to keep us alive. They're mm-hmm. not wired to keep us happy. Mm-hmm. They're wired to keep us alive. And so when they're just hell bent on keeping us alive, they do a lot of kind of silly, dramatic things because like our brains are just anticipating that we might be eaten by a tiger around yeah. And so they're constantly on alert for threats and that makes us hypervigilant and stress out about stuff and then get very, a lot of mind drama. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the brain is a unique computer um, Absolutely. And even just really exploring, like when you have these overwhelming
0: thoughts, the first thing, like I, 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 went through the whole cycle and then just really embracing the separating my thoughts. What are actual facts? Like, exactly. yes, my phone doesn't work, but that's the, my thought that I'm, I am going to be lost and I can't get back home. It's not true. Cause the people were driving with before phones and <laughs>
1: they made it home just fine. I'm going to do that too. So, totally. Yeah. That's an I important think. point that you make too, right? When it comes to emotional regulation and emotional emotional awareness and our emotional intelligence. It's understanding that our emotions are reactions to facts. They're reactions to interpretations of facts, right? So you just made an excellent example. It's like my phone died. That's the fact. My interpretation of the fact was that I might die with it because I might not. And then your brain is, oh my God, the emotion of overwhelm, the emotion of anxiety, the emotion of all these things. And so one, one thing that I work with often is with my clients is like identifying, okay, so what are the facts in this situation? Because if we take away the interpretations. It's usually the interpretations that are actually causing most of our emotional problems like whatever emotion we're experiencing that we don't like first of course we have to acknowledge that all emotions are valid and we have to process it but then it's really there's a there's an effective and helpful strategy of is this a is this an appropriate reaction to the fact or is this just an interpretation of yeah our perception of what the facts mean yeah and a lot of times it is not as dramatic <laughs> as our brain makes it out to be exactly yeah exactly your brain is a jerk remember it's, it makes it super stressful like i love the brain like the brain is like my jam it's so interesting to me and I think it's but sometimes it's actually like funny and I'll say that with my clients we'll get chatting and I'm like can you see how if you back up how your brain is just like a dramatic toddler like it's Mm -hmm. like freaking out about everything and it is it's very simple and primitive and how your at least your limbic system like your threat system Mm -hmm. works you could just have if you had a stressful event happen and you happen to be burning a certain candle that has this like candy cane smell say Mm -hmm. whatever like your brain will then associate the candy cane smell with the threat that's how yeah. simple it is. It's just association with something that was stressful that can trigger. So your brain's quite simplistic, actually, in mm-hmm. how it processes this situation. So it's our job to be mindful, right, and use mindfulness to be aware of what the brain is doing, and then use our smarter executive functioning when it's online to, to bring ourselves back. And,
0: and we think that it's actually our intellectual thinking brain, our prefrontal cortex, that's actually in charge. But honestly, it's our primitive brain. That <laughs> drives a lot of what we do. Why do yeah. you avoid certain things? Why do you, what, what are some of the habits that you already have built in emotions create our habits and then we are living through this and we don't even know why we're doing certain things in life
1: yeah yeah absolutely yeah and actually some of those like speaking about those behaviors that you do that's where things like perfectionism come in is that I I call perfectionism it's like a behavior loop perfectionism becomes a habit because it reinforces something in our life and so even perfectionism like you said what habits do you do a lot of women don't identify like being a perfectionist is actually it's not an action they're taking it's not like the brushing the teeth every morning but it's It's how you make decisions, how you motivate your behavior, how you talk to yourself. That's all, it's interesting. Very interesting.
0: Our brain is fascinating. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. That was an amazing conversation. I loved it. And if any of our listeners wanted to get in touch with you and know more about you, where would they find your information?
1: Yeah, it's pretty easy. My website is CarlyCrew.com and it's like the crew of a ship with an E on the end. So C-R-E-W-E, CarlyCrew.com. And then I have a podcast that you're going to be on eventually, and that's it's called Mind Over Motherhood and it's on all the platforms and all about mindset and motherhood. And then I actually have a book as well. I mentioned it's called You Are Not Your Anxiety. It's available on my website as well as on Amazon and I run that membership program. So it's called The Collective. Unoya means a well mind. And so it's an online community of women who are working actively and positively on their mental health. So I wanted to create a community specifically because I had been in some Facebook groups before for mental illness and they can be places like it can be a hard thing to go somewhere for support. Support and then not get much support. And so this, I created this community to be very distinctly different. And so it's a really beautiful, it's really blown me away actually how supportive the women are in the community. And it's called the Unite Collective and I open it twice a year. So it's also, the details are on my website. And on Instagram. Instagram is my primary platform. So
0: at Carly Crew. Awesome, thank you so much. Yeah. And I'll include that information in the show notes as well. Yeah, that so works. everyone will have a chance to connect with you and get to know you more. And uh, thank you so much. I really appreciate the time that you've spent today and all the wisdom that you've shared.
1: Very fun conversation. I love anybody (laughs) who can jam out with me about the brain and habits and things like that. So it was a lot of fun and I hope it was helpful. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much.
0: You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us today. For my listeners, if there are any topics that you want to hear more, please drop a comment below. I would be happy to add those to our weekly content. For all those listening, thank you for joining us today. If you found this valuable, please like, subscribe, leave a review on iTunes and share it with a friend or two. I would so appreciate that. I would love to hear from you. If you have a story to share about burnout or overwhelm, please reach out to me so we can continue to build this community so no one has to go through burnout and overwhelm alone. You can reach out to me at my website, serenitywellnessmd.com or Mindfulness and Productivity Systems Facebook page or at Serenity Wellness MD on Instagram. The content of this podcast is not meant to be medical advice. Tune in for the next episode coming to you every Thursday morning. Goodbye for now.